Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 120, Feeding and Caring for the Body. We are broadcasting live from snowy New River Valley in southwest Virginia. Jesse at his headquarters in Radford. Me at our headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Welcome back, Jesse. We are back after a holiday uh, time of, uh, I guess, pause where we celebrated uh, the, the advent of the Lord Jesus and we rang in 2022. New Year's jokes are different in pandemic years, I suppose. Uh, and we intended to have this, uh, this particular podcast recorded right after New Year's. So we're going to have lots of jokes about New Year's resolutions, diets, going to the gym, because that's what we're talking about a little bit today, Jesse. Uh, what we eat, what we do with our bodies, inputs, outputs. But uh, hey, we're a couple weeks late, but for good reason. That's right. Yeah, we're snowed in today, but but uh, um, but I, I'm I'm hurt. <laughs> I got, I got the injured hurt. body. <laughs> Man, speaking of New Year's resolutions, I, I'm in this. Uh, I did this last year. My cousin does this big um, competition where he's a he's a real estate agent in Austin, Texas. I thought and you were going to say CrossFit or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's 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 just he's in he's in as bad a shape as me, maybe worse, at least until the last couple of weeks. Uh, but he does this thing where people throw. 20 bucks in and then he every week he throws a bunch of money and it's part of his kind of a promo for his real estate agency right um and uh so every week you weigh yourself and you have to like submit your and he, it's all percentage based so um nobody knows how much you weigh or how much you lost or anything they just know the percentage you lost each week wow so last year man i cr- i was crushing it i didn't win anything because some some people are crazy they lose like eight percent of their body weight in a week i'm like i i, would, I don't have enough to do that but you uh, get a so, sauna you can do that i can tell you how yeah yeah <laughs> they're probably former collegiate wrestlers yeah. doing dumb things just walking their, around spitting to their um, bodies yeah <laughs> i uh so this year i was really excited because i came into january one a little bigger than usual you know jenny had long covid i've been inside for two months three yeah. months before and so i was really excited like this is the year I might be able to to lose eight percent of my body weight in a week, <laughs> and then I threw my threw my hip out. I in, hurt my hip so bad in the side of your hip, your front hip flexors. Kind of where where is this? Yeah, hip? my front hip oh, flexor. Gee, those are painful. Yeah, and you've heard your hip flexor before. Yeah, well, mine are really really tight. I've learned that my back problems are from my. Uh, ilias and psoas muscles that tie all that yeah, stuff my in the front. Ilias, yeah. ilias somatic yeah. is like yeah. exactly what I had happen. So Man. I threw my hip out by getting out of bed. <laughs> the, the vigorous <laughs> getting out of bed exercise. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I think I was splitting wood the day before and wrestling yeah. with my boys. Yeah. And then uh, I got up that morning, Sunday morning, two weeks ago, and and my hip hurt. And I was like, God, it's weird. I have got this pain in the front of my hip. Like it kind of hurts to pull my knee up to get out of bed. Or, <laughs> But I, I had to preach that morning. So I went and preached. And then I traveled that week and, and was in North Carolina. I was walking all over cities, exploring cities. And I just really aggravated it. So my hip went out. And, uh, and then like a week into that, I threw my back out because <laughs> I was overcompensating for my hip. The same kind of iliosomatic 
muscle yeah. wrapping around yeah. and, yeah. and uh, I was making my bed bed. So <laughs> get um, out of it, make it. That's, that's what a lot of yeah. people that are very disciplined say, for, make your bed every morning. And you're like, I can't. <laughs> I was like, it, that's what hurt me is I made my yeah. bed. So, Man, I, I feel uh, similar. So I, was so, I was so hurt that we couldn't even record this I last know, week you were like, I hey. Was, I was laid up in bed icing my back. Yeah, it's like, I, I can't make it down to my office. I'm like, hey, man, <laughs> stay down, ice up, get some of that icy hot stuff or something. Yeah, man, I, I, uh, I ran wrestling practice for two hours on Friday just a few days ago. And, man, I was so tired. I was telling Jesse, guys, before we got on air that I really thought I wasn't going to be able to finish all the teaching and demonstrating I had planned. I was like, I don't want to make it. And then uh, and then yesterday, uh, my wife and I were shoveling a little snow, and I was, like, getting into it, like, hey, this is a workout. My wife literally said, hey, slow down. You're a little older now. You're going to hurt yourself. I was like, slow down. I'm getting a workout. You know, my heart rate's up. I'm sweating. And then, of course, last night, my middle of my back starts growing. And I was like, oh no, but thankfully I should have slowed down. I know. Listen to my wife. I'm an old person. So, yes, today we are talking about feeding the body, caring for the body. We're in our series on embodiment that we kicked off. We've just had two episodes here where we talked about this general concept that the body matters to God, that human beings, right, we're a unity, body and soul, and that we experience life, even our worship of God in the body, so to speak. And then I did a quick episode right before Christmas on the embodiment of God. This is a unique, uh, you know, lots of religions or traditions or mythologies talk about gods being on the earth and in bodies and things like that. Uh, but a monotheistic faith that the, the, the God that created all things, right, the, the second person of the triune oneness becomes a human being. Being that we celebrate on Christmas. We did a little bit of a, a marveling on that, Jesse, right before Christmas. And today we're going to merge into our practical because where we're going, right, we're going to be talking about, you know, how do we engage with our own bodies? How do we engage with other people's bodies? How, do, how should we honor the body over time? So we'll have, a, over the next couple of months, more on this. But today it's very practical and very New Year'sy, I guess, that we're talking about feeding in caring for the body. Now, this is a, a passage that comes out of the Bible, Jesse, that's a passage on marriage, right? Um, where it's exhorting, encouraging, pushing husbands not to be, right, the selfish people that we can be, but yet to feed and care for his wife as he feeds and cares for his own flesh or his own body. You don't hate your own body, you feed it and care for it. And so it's an analogy there, but it's an assumption, right, that's made in the scripture that people, it's a necessity. Uh, as bodily creatures, we have to feed uh, our body and care for it. And now we let's just confess, all of us, right? We all do this to different. We have different flows in the way we feed and care for our bodies. And sometimes I, I just confess, I don't care for my body very well. You know, we throw caution to the wind, maybe physically or or what we put in it, uh, and then we kind of just let it go a little bit. And so. And there, yeah, go ahead. Isn't it and uh, isn't it interesting? And I, I think this is why it's so important on the front end that we're offering a kind of um, a, a, a caution sign, right? Because <laughs> right. Uh, there's almost nothing that invites judgment as much as yes. what we and other people do with our bodies, what we eat, you know how. So so it is, you know, even thinking about like I preached on January second, and. 
I was even already kind of making fun of people's, you know, New Year's resolutions almost. <laughs> right. And there's a part of me that wants to kind of point at other people and be like, you're crazy. You're not doing enough. You yeah, know, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, so so I do think that's a good caution. Like, Absolutely. It, it invites us to be like, <laughs> oh, you're you're doing it worse than me and you're doing it better than me. And I want to be more like you. And yes, Jesse, I hope today if you're listening that this is a, a source where we can laugh together, laugh at ourselves and encourage one another and not take each other so seriously, but at the same time, right, uh, take it a little more seriously than we do. There's a, we're going to follow, uh, and if you're watching the video, all tens of you who watch uh, the video or maybe the hundreds who watch close literally Instagram. dozens. Yeah. This book embodied by Dr. Greg Allison, living his whole people in a fractured world. We're going to follow him a little bit in chapter eight. Chapter eight is entitled the blessed, right? The blessed and disciplined body. And so, um, Greg acknowledges in his book, there can be these warring factions between like, you know, there's your fitness friends who only eat organic, right? Their grocery bill is eight times higher than everyone else's because they eat perfect food, right? Uh, and then there's others that are say, hey, the body is just temporary. We're just, you know, we're going to be in a new body in the kingdom of heaven. And so why care at all about it, right? We'll just do what we want. Uh, they don't see things like exercise or eating nutritious food as, as worth our time. And so we don't want to engage in any of this war faction stuff we just want to say hey look we're not perfect we're not here to make judgments um and hey look i'm gonna be a little honest jesse um there are judgments in this area right body shaming that are communal uh certainly uh terrible on places like instagram um but some of us and i'll just be really open struggle with body image for yourself right like i have a you know literally i still weigh myself multiple times a day um, I, I was an amateur wrestler and weight management from the time you're a little kid all through. It doesn't go away. Um, I'm around 18 to 25 year olds who are like in perfect condition. Um, and, and my judgment is a lot of times my internal talk is very negative. Mm. And so um, one of the things that we want to do today is, is look at uh, some real good purposes, right, for feeding, caring for our bodies um, without kind of any kind of body worship or uh, bringing up, hey, like self-loathing kind of condemnation stuff. And so our bodies are finite, right? They're limited. They're limited in space and time. Jesse, I turned 49 uh, just a little less than a month that's, ago. That's why you can't shovel so hard when you're out in that snow in the driveway, man. That's why I threw my hip on my back out, getting out of and making my bed. You know, I was thinking about this with my, my New Year's resolution, which was going to be um, connected to that weight loss kind of thing, yeah. which, I, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to lose weight necessarily, but I wanted to run a marathon this year. Yeah. And... Um, now I just want to touch my toes. <laughs> you know, I, I'm like, I'm getting old. I just need to stretch. I need to, you know, yeah, take care of my if, body, not crush it. Exactly. I mean, like I can shovel snow fast like that. I shouldn't, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. you do change. And I think the limitations that I'm learning as you do age, um, like I, I put this on, on social media on Friday. I was like, people love to say age is just a number. I was like, no, it's not just a number, man. I can't do what I used to be able to, to do when I was 20 in my twenties. Um, but there is still a feeding and caring for the body at every age. Maybe we're a little more conscious of it when we pull yeah. muscles getting out of bed. So, um, Dr. Allison in his book, 
He starts his chapter with the blessings of the body. And here, Jesse, we're talking about things that we can see, right? That we have eyes and ocular nerves and brains that uh, perceive images, right? We can see things that are beautiful and marvelous and really will stop us in our tracks. Maybe you think of, I love mountains and water. So like a mountain stream in Colorado always makes me pause. I want to pray. I want to reflect. Uh, I want to see and take it in. We, we taste things with our bodies, right? Um, we see and taste things created by human minds and things that are holistically taken in at creation, like a destination uh, restaurant where you're eating wonderful food curated by someone who knows what they're doing in a kitchen. Uh, In the beauty of nature, we touch things, right? Um, My uh, middle kid, Kylene, she loves soft shirts. So anytime like she gets a soft shirt for Christmas, she just loves it or comfortable pajamas or soft blankets, right? We have this tactile experience uh, of the blessings we can only, right? I'm going to say we only experience through our own embodiment. Dr. Allison in his book recounts this well. He says this, the blessings of embodiment through the physical senses are too numerous to count, but include the following. Now, for, forgive Dr. Allison for his own taste. You have your own. He has his. Uh, I like his. The taste of a mouth-watering steak at Ruth Chris. Uh, the feel of an 800-thread Egyptian cotton sheet on a king-size bed at the end of a bone-weary day. The smell of freshly mowed grass or chocolate chip cookies hot out of the oven. The sound of a powerful Midwest thunderstorm. The sight of a full double rainbow. When you're not high, across the vast sky of of the end of that storm the handsome features of a man and the stunning beauty of a woman only as embodied beings can we sense and enjoy these physical blessings now um i was joking about the double rainbow what does it mean video what does it mean what does it mean um but that's a really good picture right of many things that god blesses us with through the body, and and we know the body can be, um, you know, in our culture, worshipped a little bit, like by the fitness crowd, or maybe neglected. And I do think Jesse, we have a problem, right, with neglect of the body uh, in our culture. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, I was thinking about. Uh, I think about this all the time. I really do, uh, and I don't know. It feels like maybe with C.S. Lewis in his space trilogy that first got me thinking about it, which is kind of a weird thing, but, um, was that called Palandria? Is that the name of that? Um, I I haven't read it. Yeah. Okay. There's three books. So out of the silent planet, um, Paralandra and, uh, the, this hideous strength, maybe the other one. Yeah. (laughs) And the other one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that's not really the point. The point is I think all the time about how, magnificent it is that um the the sense of taste that we have that like there's no there's no um you know god didn't have to make things taste so good yeah yeah certain things taste so good and and we get you know uh, the embodiment it, it that's a blessing for us but the problem with things tasting good is sometimes yeah 
We eat too much. We overindulge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think right. about it, right? This idea of tasting, that God gave us taste buds to experience things like honey, which I know uh, Jonathan Edwards, who you read a lot, has used as a, a spiritual metaphor, or even like in the Bible, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's an invitation yeah. that we understand because we've tasted something really good. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't know what that means. But there is a sense, though, with the things we put in our bodies, uh, the th- how we use our bodies, whether we're feeding and caring for it or not, we can actually uh, put our holistic being in a bad position. There's been a lot of talk during COVID-19 about comorbidities and diabetes and, and being overweight. Obviously, this is super prevalent in our culture. We're one of the most heavier obese nations in the world and it's this again not to shame us just but if we don't look at these kind of realities like hey i want to have a healthy body for a purpose right that i want to be able to engage with the world in a certain way feeding and caring for the body is very important so today we're just going to talk jesse in terms of output uh in input right um now i have one of my uh undergraduate degrees was in applied computer science and we had a, a funny phrase about because you talk a lot about input output in computer science, right? And in the new programmer or coder would always be told garbage in, garbage out, you know, gigo. We'd always talk about that. If you put, you know, bad parameters into your software, it's not going to be a result, right? And so um, the body's not a computer. It's not a machine. It's, it's more than that. But there is an aspect where we have output from it and we have inputs to it. And what we do in terms of bodily outflow, good use of the body, and bodily inflows in terms of what we intake with food and drink matters. So we're going to talk about those today, and then we're going to close with this idea that is uniquely Christian um, in the terms of how we see worship and the body as related. Um, some of those concepts also common in, in Judaism, which out which obviously historically Christianity flowed. So bodily output, Jesse, good use of the body. We have to talk about this word discipline. Now, I don't know. How do you encounter the word discipline when you, uh, when you hear it? Yeah, you know, um, I'd say at this point, it's mostly a positive word for me, but that comes from years of um, studying. Uh, well, really, it comes largely through the writing and ministry of Dallas Willard, um, who wrote a book called The Spirit of the Disciplines, uh, in which really he's trying to recapture a vision for um, spiritual disciplines being basically the school of imitation of Christ that prepares us to encounter the world uh, Christianly in, in, in ways where it becomes more like a second nature, you know, to be Christ-like. He actually talks about how um, before Malcolm Gladwell was talking about the 10,000 hour rule, he talks about how um, in order to be a great violinist, you have to practice hours and hours and hours until eventually playing the violin is like second nature. And he said, uh, his, his presupposition is that the Christian life is at least as hard as playing the violin. (laughs) And so it's going to take a lot of just kind of, uh, positive action to model ourselves after Christ. So for me, it's, but you know, before that it was mostly like discipline was what happens when you do something wrong. Yeah. Uh, Or something that sounds really hard or something that's really hard. Like this is going to, Oh, it's going to crush me. Like, 
like read on Friday leading wrestling practice. Yeah. At the end of it, I'm just going to be like, I got to discipline, get it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really great that you brought up Willard because there is a sense where there is a yes and a no to what we do in our lives with our schedules, with our energy, with our time, with our bodies. Um, and so discipline, meaning learning to say yes to certain practices, uh, which shapes and transforms our way of life. This is very hard, right? There wouldn't be so many books sold to, to help people change if change was easy, right? And so discipline has a spiritual dimension. Uh, it has a mental dimension. And certainly it has a a bodily dimension. Now, before you think I'm just talking about, like, oh, you better join a CrossFit gym, something goofy like that. You're just going to get injured, most likely, most of us. Um, discipline simply means, okay, what is my body for? And so if you look at the scriptures, our bodies are used for serving others, right? Uh, So your family, your church, volunteering with various things has to be saying no to something so you can say yes to with your body to show up. Working, right? Working a job. Maybe you work with your hands, physical discipline. You have to schedule certain, you know, putting in a floor or something like that. Maybe you work with your mind and you have to have a, uh, you know, an accounting spreadsheet done by the end of the week, right? Um, And then certainly working, uh, all of us, whether we work primarily with our mind or our bodies, it's all embodied work and so it involves discipline right so I tell my kids this all the time Jesse hey if you can show up on time and do what you're asked you're going to be ahead at work than most people right and that's a a matter of discipline at regular exercise right uh, is part of using our body. So I've, I, I heard a friend say this years ago, Jesse, that your your exercise regimen uh, matches your work. So if you work primarily with your body, you're going to be doing some exercise more with your mind. And if, you know, stretching, you know, resting, these kind of things. Uh, if you work primarily with the mind, you have to have more exercise uh, for the body. And both are a matter of discipline. Yeah, and I, I might even... Uh, I- I don't know who your friend was that said that. It's a it's a great thought to think about matching those up. I might even qualify that to say match with your your calling or your vocation. That's right. Because um, that that also incorporates things like um, your position in life, uh, your family size. Maybe you're single, or maybe you've got six kids, yeah, and they're all under ten. And and so even if you work with your mind, but all day you're picking kids up and putting them down, picking them up, putting them down, carrying them around in that cradle. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, then, yeah. then, then that, that may, maybe ha- should, should factor into it as well as I know like a lot of pastors, it's not handwork, right? It's, right. it's a lot of time in the study or, yeah. and so for eating, them meeting with people, very sedentary yeah. Yeah. And, and eating a lot of yeah. food while you meet with people. So their, their exercise needs to match in different ways, right? They might yeah. need to go on walks, That's right? Not because they have to train themselves to be able to walk during the week, but because right. they got to walk off those, you know, yeah. five that, lunches. That potluck dinner the they had. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, yeah, yeah that idea of, of exercise matching your vocation makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. Yeah, and if your vocation is more sedentary, which a lot of us, right, we're, we, you know, we're sitting on people, some people are sitting on Zooms, they're sitting in offices. Other people are, work, you know, literally out working all day with their bodies, and so they really probably need to give attention to stretching and making sure they're fit for their work rather than doing extra. But if you are in a sedentary job and you have meetings, hey, uh, learn to take them on a walk, to do a phone call on an hour-long walk, which will uh, kind of uh, uh, kill two birds with one stone, as it were. So, but this idea of discipline, right, of the body, 
so that so that it may mean so we can maintain usefulness of it right so i can i can take you know run around my kids as best i can or i can uh do do the work that i'm called to do this is a passage out of first timothy in the new testament where there's a parallel where paul the, the apostle is dealing with this idea of physical discipline and and spiritual discipline uh, this is first timothy 4 7 have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths rather train yourself for godliness Okay, so the, the metaphor he's using for godly training, this is, goes back to what you said about Willer, is literally uh, the word go to the gym, basically. It's a word where gymnasium comes from in, in Greek. So train yourself for godliness. For, for, for bodily training is of some value, right? If, you, if you're crossfitting, doing push-ups every day, that's of some value. But godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. And so this idea of discipline of the body uh, the Bible says it's valuable, right? Uh, but taking that same discipline into your spiritual life, to, to be willing to carve out 15 minutes to pray, right, is a disciplined act of the body, right? Yeah. Uh, has promise yeah. for this life and the life to come. And I love that. I love that that passage in First Timothy 4 because it's, it's not creating a, a distinction between um, say the spiritual disciplines and the bodily disciplines as if to say one's bad and one's good. It's a kind of a lesser to greater argument, but yeah. the, the, even the lesser's a great thing to do. Yeah. And in fact, when he says have nothing to do with those silly myths, he's probably talking about just in the verses before then, he's saying some people are saying you should abstain from marriage and food. That's and right. he's, he's basically saying, no, 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 you receive those things with thanksgiving That's right. because you're an embodied person. These things are part of the calling that God has for us. So don't have anything to do with those silly myths that say, uh, do not taste, do not touch, do not handle, don't get married, don't, don't eat, you know, delicious food. No, you should be trained. You should be doing the gymnasium for your body, but right. also even better That's right. uh, for godliness. That's right. That is a, it is a lesser, greater thing, but with an affirmation and yeah. uh, these things inform each other. Right. And I think that, um, another passage we don't have in our notes, first Corinthians nine, where Paul describes the nature of his, his ministry. He said it was necessary to beat his body and make it a slave. Right. And so he was talking about focus, right. Um, that we have to have this idea of self mastery. Um, and that's really what discipline is. It's like mastery of self under the good kind yoke of Jesus, right? So that the body might be purposeful in its output, right? Now, the opposite of discipline, there there are sins, right, that they're in the scriptures, right, um, that are related to these. Uh, in the bodily sin related to lack of discipline, we would just maybe use the word slothfulness or, or some sort of laziness. And now, Jesse, you had a fun comment that you shared with me a little earlier. I, I'd love for you to share that with other folks about uh, some of the early Christians and their view of this sin of sloth. Yeah, interestingly, sloth isn't the title for that. You know, it's one of the seven deadly sins now, but that's not till the Middle Ages, uh, medieval times. So um, the Desert Fathers had eight deadly sins. And this was the the Egyptian Right, North yeah, African. Yeah, that's right. Desert An- I think Saint Anthony, yeah, yeah. Um, Athanasius was uh, influenced by them. Simeon the Stylite, the guy that sat on top of a pillar all day, or something like that. Some of them yeah. were crazy and would just <laughs> yeah. sit on pillars all day. Go live in yeah. a cave. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We wouldn't want to emulate them necessarily, <laughs> especially things. the idea of uh, the idea of um, being separate and alone is something that I think 
Uh, we're not doing that. But it was we an extreme that developed. It was an extreme. Yeah, yeah. 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 As soon as Christianity become became the national religion, there was no opportunity for martyrdom. Or so, so really, it's almost a self martyrdom in that in that era. But that's a whole other thing. There, there. Uh, so the original kind of word was acedia, which they called the noontide demon. Um, and it really was like a lack of motivation, a sleepiness. Um, imagine being in the desert alone and, and really it would catch up to you if you, if you were idle. So if you weren't, if you didn't have regiment and discipline and you weren't kind of doing things, you'd get kind of like, you know, drowsy and lazy. And then, and then they thought, and they actually said this, this was the final, the eighth sin to conquer, right? So, they had a plan to conquer the other seven. And then, and then it's like, that's the final boss. You get to that final one. And, uh, and that's the hard one because even if you're kind of firing on all, all cylinders, uh, you know, it's, you can get tired and it's, it's, it's hard to defeat unless you're, um, you know, pressing on with endurance, with your disciplines. And they, for them, it was endurance and prayer is how you get through it. But just an interesting kind of historical, you know, idea there that uh, where we might look at this as kind of a minor thing for them, this was the, this was the big boss. That was the big the one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, if you lack discipline and focus, if you're being slothful or lazy, whatever, then you, you, you fail in the focus to do the things we ought or that we have the opportunity to do. This is interesting, Jesse, in, in the book of first, uh, second Thessalonians three, this idea of idleness, right? Um, you know, you may be familiar with the term idle from, you know, your car idling or something like that, but it means like you're not in motion towards something, right? And yeah. so um, this is Second uh, Thessalonians 3. For we hear that some of you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies, right? Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. And this was kind of a problem in their place where like people were sharing so generously that some people would quit working right um and so uh that was that's the context of even the, the harsher uh, passage right right before this in second uh, thessalonians three ten. um if anyone is not willing to work let him not eat meaning we're contributing to this community and family and not to idleness going nowhere doing nothing but focusing our lives for profitability so we have something to share with others. Again, serving, working, exercising, feeding, caring for the body. So let's go to the easy uh, concept in our culture, Jesse, of bodily input, uh, eating nutritious foods. Tell us how to eat perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody listening right now is like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, don't don't follow me around. Don't watch what I eat. Oh man, how do we eat perfectly, Reed? And there's schools of eating, Jesse. Like there's veganism, uh, vegetarianism, pescatarianism, uh, omnivores, the carnivores, you know, keto. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, um, if you want to, and, and maybe we could throw this in the show notes. Uh, Doug Ponder up at at um, Remnant Church in Richmond, Virginia. Um, uh, had a sermon called God doesn't care what you eat. I, that might be what it's called. Um, and it's crazy how, uh, how contentious things got around that sermon because we as a culture have, we have, uh, 
put so much morality into what we eat. We, yeah. you know, whether it's keto or this or that or the other thing. Um, and, and then, so I and think then once I we learn something from our school and guru, then we need to inform everyone else. Enforce right? it and inform <laughs> other people. And, you know, he's, he's kind of, um, you know, he goes a little over the top with it, I think, in, in a way of like um, trying to prove the point. You know, so he'll, he'll, he calls uh, uh, genetically modified organisms as God's miraculous organisms. <laughs> so I'm not saying I agree with everything he says necessarily, but um, well, should you or you know, should you not? Should you or should you not eat GMOs, Jesse? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying yes to no. I'm just simply. You saying, probably he, do. Saying, yeah. yeah, I eat them all the time. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's he's trying to make the point in that sermon or in that message that. Uh, that we are the ones who put a lot of That's moral right. value right. and then we feel, and really what it's getting at is we feel a lot of guilt and shame That's or right. we put that on, you put, should feel put some guilt food righteousness on people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So all that to say, I don't know. I, I don't want to be the one to answer what you yeah. should eat other than um, I, ha- I admit nutrient rich food. <laughs> yeah. I admit that I have a private war with vegans. Um, some, sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes it's public on on Instagram with my yeah, friend. Every named, time you smoke some meat in your my smoker, friend named Joy. Hello, Joy. If you ever listen to the Gospel Underground, Joy, Joy is my uh, conscious about not eating too much uh, animal proteins. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I really, really do think Jesse. We don't want to talk today about dieting uh, or excessive worry about weight or whatever bouncing up and down, but eating nutrient rich foods in modest amounts. Isn't that a great idea? That's a great yeah. idea, e- eating nutrient-rich foods in modest amounts. Now, the Bible does talk about things, uh, about input of the body, right? There, yeah. there is a sense where uh, we don't talk about this as much as a culture anymore. I'm not really sure why. Um, probably because we live in a society of, um, let's just admit, abundance, right? Excess. Yeah. Excess. So much food, right? Um the amount of food probably uh, you know Americans throw away and consume is it's probably just um, egregious, let's just say. And so the scriptures do speak sometimes together about this overindulgent intake of the body, typically of you know wine, strong drink, and food, right? And, and so the the bodily sins related to what we put in are drunkenness and gluttony, right? Drunkenness and gluttony. This is Proverbs twenty three. 20 and 21. Do not be among the drunkards or among the gluttonous eaters of meat. There's my vegan friends going, hallelujah, they told you not to eat meat. Uh, gluttonous eaters of meat, not uh, moderate partakers of premium select meats. Be not amongst the drunkards or among the gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. Now, again, Proverbs are wisdom literature. They're not promises. There are people who may be overindulged who aren't poor. But I think this is connecting, Jesse, this idea of bodily laxness and overindulgence with outcomes of life that lack discipline. Right. Uh, look to the answer sluggard uh, yeah. is in the Proverbs. Right. This idea of diligence or industry of a person usually doesn't end up with them in poverty. But if you you are lazy, you're overindulgent, this lack of discipline life, there are outcomes that are not not great. So uh, Dr. Allison says this very simple. I think it's a, a perfect little definition. So drunkenness is the overconsumption of alcohol as gluttony is to the overconsumption of of food. Hmm. 
You got any thoughts That's of, right. about being drunk and eating too much? Don't do it. Don't do yeah. it. I, I mean, it really, you yeah. know, it's uh, being in a in the South and in the kind of Baptist <laughs> world, um, people care a lot in the circles I run in about overconsumption of alcohol and almost or even nothing. consumption of alcohol, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that's right. Not overconsumption. Yeah. Um, being in the same room as alcohol, but uh, almost no care to the overconsumption of food. And so I, I think I like that Allison is doing what what he's doing there as far as bringing them together, and reminding us that uh, e- either one of them are the excess that we want to avoid with that's our right. bodies. That's right. Where we might not be able to say with certainty exactly what we should eat because that's not, you know, God has given us this kind of freedom to walk in life in ways that, uh, you know, are related to our particular circumstances and our calling in life and our tastes. And, and, uh, but we can say with certainty that drunkenness and gluttony are sinful and things that we should avoid and will lead, you know, cause and effect will generally lead to bad outcomes. Yeah. in an undisciplined life, there's, there's a reality guys that we can know. Like, like there's the other side of it saying you can't, you know, you can't eat this, can't eat that. You can't drink this, can't drink. That's a legalism, right? That's a legalism that kind of pollutes our freedom of enjoyment and the blessings of the body that God has given. Right. But on the other side, these overindulgences, you people ask me, how do I know how much is too much? Can I drink three beers or two? Um, the body that God made understands when it's had too much. You will actually feel really bad when you drink too much and eat too much. And um, uh, we have to admit that we eat to our own kind of discomfort and uh, unhealth of the body. And certainly overindulgence in alcohol can lead to all sorts of bodily maladies. Our big idea for this series is that our bodies right here, and we we said this in our first episode, our bodies are instruments to be played in honor of the king, not weaponized to dishonor God and debase other human beings. And so this is where we're going in this series. When we think of our bodies to be used in a certain way, we're talking about our outputs of serving and working and exercising to maintain our health um, and... um, they're not to be weaponized to dishonor God. We dishonor God when we drink too much, eat too much. Um, and we debase one another with our bodies, which we'll head into in the next uh, several episodes, Jesse, uh, of using our bodies to um, hurt others, dishonor God in, in what we do in the intermingling of human bodies as well. Today, as we kind of come around to the the end here, Jesse, I just wanted to spend a brief time speaking Christianly about worship in these things. Worship Mm -hmm. and use of the body, and maybe I think the appropriate thing is rest of the body when you use it too much. Uh, Worship in food, right? Say the, The Bible is beautiful in the sense that Scripture teaches that there is a time for, this is Ecclesiastes 3, a time for every season under heaven, right? That there's this ordained realities that God... God uh, has for us. There's a time to live. There's a time to die. There's a time to destroy time to, you know, not that say, Hey, go kill people, but there's, there's these seasons of life that God gives. Uh, And, and one of them, uh, right. There's the surrounds with food, right? There is a time for fasting, which is abstaining from bodily inputs, right? For an intense time of prayer, reflection, seeking God and God's path for our lives, fasting with prayer, and there's a time for feasting. Uh, and these things are not like contradictory. Which should I do, fast or feast? The Bible says yes. 
God would say yes. There are times when we need to pull away from taking in food and drink for the focus of the body on prayer. And that through the denial of the body and the use of times you would have for meals and other things, you would focus expressly on the person and work of God and what he would have for your life. Fasting. That's right. Yeah, you know, uh, that idea of these things not being contrary, but being um, two different kind of uh, rhythms, um, I think is exactly right. Fasting, fasting too, and I think with all of these, we can look to Jesus, right? Yes. The, the God-man embodied, who uh, came into his ministry feasting at a wedding, and who also spent 40 days fasting in the wilderness, yes. um, during which he prayed and there, that you know, I would add to what fasting is good for for us is to uh, um, scripture memory and meditation. Right? I mean, that it, when when right. and, and that's in Matthew four when um, Jesus is kind of just has Deuteronomy just coming out of him like this. And so I think it's fair to assume he's spending time in his fast, reading, meditating on, memorizing Deuteronomy. That's right. That's right. Um, and so fasting, you know, we follow Jesus in that pathway. Also, one more thing I'd say about fasting is there are, you know, because we're embodied yeah. and because our... We're, there's we're, there's we're, a common we're, grace in fasting. Yeah, yeah. It, and because we're so connected together so that one, it's not like we can separate these practices and be like, well, this is the part of me, this is the hungry part of me that, that eats yeah. food and fasts. And this is, um, fasting does train our bodies in ways that make other challenges less challenging. So, um, you know, when you go without food, well, first of all, when you're dealing with other kind of temptations in your life, it feels like that's all there is to life. And you think about it all the time. And, but when you fast food for more than a day or two, the, you, you realize Wow, I think about food more than I think about anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. because I have to eat; my body requires it. And so, you know, when you do a three-day fast, um, you know, uh, without food, maybe you're just doing juice or you're just doing um, water. uh, Your body learns a lesson that it actually can go without what it thinks it can't go without. So that when you're dealing with some other temptation that you're trying to work on, it's, uh, it's easier. It becomes more natural to go, you know, I don't have to feed my body what it's saying it needs right now. It can go without. Amen. Amen. We'll put an article on fasting in the show notes. Um, one of my friends and, uh, pastor of Jacob's well, New Jersey, Scott Jones used to prepare our congregation for our Lenten fast. And he's wrote, written a good little, a helpful practical article that we'll put in the show notes that you guys can look at. If you want to explore this, um, Mm. idea of fasting, ironically, (laughs) interestingly enough, um, you can find a gazillion apps about, uh, intermittent fasting on, you know, iOS, Google, play store kind of thing because there are actually health benefits uh, for caloric yep. deficits over certain amounts of time that put our bodies in a good state and uh, that they weren't meant to be engorged with food at all times and so that's a common grace byproduct of a spiritual practice uh, that that god assumes his people will do to seek his face so we'll put that in there uh intermittent fasting cult people you're on your own there teach teach us well and lead the way we're not going to get too much into that but i've started practicing a little bit it does yeah. it does make me feel better uh, to i do love the, the feasting day. too you yeah know? yeah why do we feast well first of all I could say we feast because God made us for a feast, right? Yeah, I mean, in, right. in uh, Isaiah 25, 
God promises that one day when death will be, he'll swallow up death, that there's going to be a great feast. Of course, right. the book of Revelation picks that up too. Yeah. Uh, but when we feast, it gives us an opportunity to celebrate, right? Yes, yes. At any party you go to, whether it's Super Bowl party, birthday parties, people have parties, they have food. Usually try to bring out the good food because you're, hey, let's have a celebration. And God commands this in the scriptures of his own people to remember and celebrate his goodness, his faithfulness, his mighty acts in history or in our own lives, to uh, celebrate by partaking with thanksgiving of God's good gifts. So feasting is commanded of us. And even even like historically, things like Christmas and Easter are viewed as feasts of celebration of the incarnation and the resurrection. So worship, think about your food intake, whether you're fasting or feasting as an act of worship to God. Jesse, I want to let you close today with this idea of of bodily output, what we do with our body. Um, we could just say, Hey, you need to go to the gym. I like to do a hundred pushups a day. You know, these kinds of things, you know, you with your body. But one of the things bodily disciplines were commanded, and you, you gave a sermon on this not too long ago. So we're going to only get the two minute version. We'll put the link to the longer version. Um, but worship and resting the body. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, I did preach on this. It was the, it was the morning I threw my hip out getting out of bed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, um, Jesus says this, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I'm just going to do the quick two-minute version here, Reed, like you said. So uh, I won't get into everything there. But a couple things to get into is, uh, you know, Jesus' invitation to rest is this invitation to be yoked with him, right? So it certainly is an invitation to an entire way of being, uh, an entire way of following him and imitating him. It's really what we were talking about in the beginning about spiritual disciplines and practices. You know, uh, this idea of um, imitation and, and, and mimicry in a positive sense throughout church history and in the New Testament. Jesus is basically saying, um, learn from me, follow me, be close to me, and you'll find rest. Yeah, yeah. And, and that invitation goes out to weary people, right? He's, he's speaking yeah. to day laborers and farmers and yeah. tr- uh, tradesmen and shepherds uh, who all would have been like, I understand what a yoke is. I understand what it means to plow the field. I understand Weariness. I'm, I'm tired. I'm yeah. weary. Um, you know, they're not getting that 800 thread count uh, <laughs> Egyptian, Egyptian cotton, cotton sheet at the end of the day either. Uh, Jesus' invitation to rest now, this is the part that I think is missed by most uh, modern interpreters, but his audience, it would have been immediate to them. His invitation to rest is an invitation to Sabbath, right? In fact, the, 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 the text itself gives us clues because chapter 12, verse 1, the next verse immediately says it's the Sabbath and they're, and they're, yeah. they're gathering grains, you know, as they walk along. And so... Um, it's an invitation to Sabbath. Now, an invitation to Sabbath is like this picture of restoration, right? You mentioned earlier, we were, uh, we're made to work, yeah. right? Even in the very That's beginning, right. we were made to work, That's right. but we were also made to Sabbath. Uh, in fact, 
when in, in, in the beginning, when God created humans, our first father and mother, the very first full day they had was Sabbath. Yeah. It was, you know, the seventh day of yeah. rest, almost as if God said, all right, I made you, you're going to work. Here's what I want you to do. Be fruitful, multiply, uh, cultivate, rule and sub- subdue the earth, order the creation, um, name it, order yeah. the creation. Um, but first rest, yeah. just enjoy, enjoy, yeah. you know, the, the rest. Uh, it also gives us hope because one day we're going to fully rest as far as future hope. Yeah. But here's what I want to mention as we close is it integrates rest and corporate worship, the Sabbath, the idea of the Sabbath. And we, we I think, need to practice integrating these elements. So when we think about, like, man, I need some rest from work, um, I do think we need to think that rest as being connected with uh, embodied worship together as a community. Yeah. Um, this is what the Jewish people with would have a meal, thought of. even yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, it would have been a, this integration of all right. The Sabbath is when we come together to worship around food. Church leaders out there that are listening, uh, I want to encourage you to remember to lead your people into rest on Sunday mornings. Right, uh, certainly psychological you know, existential rest, you know, that rest of the anxiety of, am I doing enough? Am I right before God that people bring in that we get a chance to, to assure them of their pardon, but also that embodied rest. You know, I've been thinking about this with our own church at Valley Bible Church, how we can make sure that we don't run them ragged. We, we rotate volunteers. We don't keep heaping program upon the 80% program who do program. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, so that there's actually a place for embodied rest on Sunday morning, but also in our service that we're not heaping more law on them. Do more, do more. Here's the gospel. Now go and do better this week, but actually that we're assuring them of their complete pardon in Christ and offering the free gospel, yeah. the grace of God freely yeah. to all people every week. And then finally, let me just say, this is one reason if you don't already uh, offer the Lord's Supper weekly, and you have the 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 passport or the ability to to speak into those kind of conversations at a, at a church level, man. Communion Amen. each week, you get a chance to eat. Now, right now, it's pathetic because most churches like us are probably doing those little grape <laughs> juice communion mix communion things with styrofoam but one day yeah. man if you can offer like delicious bread and and some nice wine or wine just um <laughs> jesse can we uh, offer wine in our church wine? please i don't know let's my do kids it, ask hey why doesn't let's our church use wine in and communion like i don't know man we're in the south again <laughs> <laughs> but it's this kind of preset invitation every yes. week to rest in the finished work of the embodied God man that we get to use all of our embodied senses to taste and feel and smell and look around at everyone else taking it together that that's in Christ. Amen. And so let's consider, let's consider rest church leaders when we're considering uh, how we lay out our liturgies or our Sunday services and all of us, man, let's think about when we think about rest, I want to encourage you to think about this is connected to not just God's people and God's place right now in my space and time in my local church, but also thousands of years of God's people coming together around a meal to worship God communally. Amen. Amen, Jesse. Well, man, God does indeed give the fruit of the earth, bread of life, the fruit of the vine. 
the true wine that satisfies, that we might commune with him, the embodied God-man, as embodied creatures, worshiping, celebrating, feasting on Jesus together. The body matters what we do with it, what we put into it. Hopefully we didn't give you a diet episode or a fitness shaming episode. But hey, get to the gym if you need to. Do some push-ups. Eat some good food in modest quantities. Be sure to mobilize and stretch, friends. Amen. And tune out all your vegan friends. I'm just kidding, Joy. The Gospel Underground is produced in partnership with the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Send your comments to us. Feedback to info at gospelunderground.org. Don't shame me for eating meat, though, through the email, Jesse. I don't want to hear it. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Peace. Peace.